Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. Here's a great verse in James. We'll start with this one. I do want to talk about this one for sure. This is called, I call this little section, Help for Our Souls. James 1.21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is an interesting passage. If you read it in the, in the King James, it says lay aside all wickedness and, and superfluity of naughtiness. It's like, wow, whoever uses that phrase? I, my parents never said, you know, you better not talk that superfluity of naughtiness out. But it was, but here's what, uh, he says, lay aside some things, and that word actually means to cast it aside. Things that are morally unclean and bad. Things that are unclean and bad. And I think it just, it goes without saying, today we have to monitor our input. What comes our way now and our input, you have to monitor that. And the Bible says to lay it aside. It says to cast it aside. And a lot of times we don't think, well, that's, it's all, you know, it's, it's pornography. You know, as long as it's not pornography, it's not bad. There's a lot of worthless stuff out there that, that's just, it clutters you up. And one of the things that you'll find is if, if you can begin to reduce the amount of input in your life that's just worthless, you'll find it, it'll clear you up some. And, and so he said, lay aside stuff. And some stuff is just trash, just absolute trash. And so and you say, well, well, how do you know? Have you ever watched something? And when you finish watching it, you check your heart and go, hmm, that just didn't feel right. Or you check your heart and you go, boy, that was refreshing. And so be careful of that. And, and, and just while I'm on that soapbox, just real quick, if you're having problems with fear, please stop the horror movies. They're not helping you. People say, well, I just, I was talking to a little girl the other day. She's like, I just, I just love the horror movies. I just love the horror movies. And I'm like, she said, I had to stop watching them for a while because I had nightmares. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but here's the deal. If, if your kids have problems with that, monitor what they have. Just saying. It said, lay it aside. Don't look at me. James wrote this. I had to run the one to run. It said, receive with meekness or receive with humility the implanted word. So receiving with humility is when we hear God's word. That we're not arguing or pushing back on it. We receive it with humility. But I love this part, the implanted word, God's word in us, which is able to save your souls. Now, James was writing to Christians. He was writing to believers. He was writing to people who, from a salvation standpoint, were already saved. But he said, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Um, when we talk about the soulish realm, we're talking about our inward life. But this is where we get into the mind and the will and the emotions. He said, God's word is able to save that area. A number of years ago, I, I remember when I was praying about this and working with some, some different people who were dealing with different challenges, and the Lord just showed me that if you look at our soulish realm, anybody remember Silly Putty? Anybody remember, anybody not know what Silly Putty is? 
Well, you just won't raise your hand. I, I know I got <laughs> Silly Putty was one of those, I think that was definitely a little boomer game. Um, but it was the putty that you could take it and you could mold it and you could, you could mash it on paper and it would pull it up and you could. But, but the Lord showed me that when, when, when we're born, it's like having a smooth, our solar realm is, is smooth, round. But things begin to come in and they, they cut in or they mash. Maybe there's abuse. Maybe there's rejection. Life has pain in it. And when life has pain in it, I, th I think we're starting to understand now that when life has pain, it impacts us. And we say, well, you know, I'm not impacted. A lot of times we're more impacted than we thought we were. And so a lot of times if something has it's been, if you took silly putty and you cut it or mashed it, and you could take that one smooth round ball, but after you mess with it, it could just be cut and, and flat. But then you could also take it and roll it back up again and make it smooth and round. The beautiful thing about receiving God's word, it's spiritual. But God's word has the ability to save and make smooth and round again our souls. A lot of people are talking about mental illness. That's become a hot topic. And I understand it's a, it's a reality. I talk to people almost every week and people tell me, Alan, I'm dealing with mental illness. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with trauma. I'm dealing with this. And, and oftentimes people say, well, I'm taking medications. Is that bad? Or I'm seeing a, a psychologist. Is that bad? And I want you to hear me on this one. Anything that helps you, we're for. But you can also take God's word and begin to receive it into your, into your life. And it can begin to heal that broken, soulish area. Amen. It can help. And, and so you say, how, how does it help it? I, I, don't, I don't know exactly how it does it, but the scripture says it's, it, it's spirit. Jesus said, my words are spirit and their life. Amen. And spirit and life can impact our soulish realm. We had a friend, a lady who... Uh, went through a traumatic, traumatic situation and it left her devastated. And she went to see psychologists and I am so grateful, grateful for Christian psychologists. You know, we do counseling here in the, in the, on Tuesday evenings for people that come in, we do biblical counseling. I am for anything. This, this lady got talked off the ledge by some good Christian psychologists and I'm grateful for her. They gave her medication and people say, well, you know, we shouldn't be taking, if you're a Christian, you shouldn't take medication. Listen, don't, don't get condemned about taking medication. Medication works in the physical realm. God's word works in the spiritual realm. They don't offset one another. And so I, I tell people, if you're, they say, should I stop taking my medication? No, you just keep taking God's word until one day you'll find you don't need the medication anymore. And, and that, but don't get condemned about it. Does that make sense? And so this lady was saying that she, she was taking medication and, and talking to psychologists. And she was talking with one of her psychologists one day and she realized that all she was really doing was she, what she called giving light to darkness. She just kept going over the problem over and over and rehashing the same problem over and over again. 
So she came to this revelation. We, you know, we didn't tell her. She, she got it on her own. But what she said was, she said, I, I, I didn't want to give light to darkness anymore. So she picked up her Bible and began to read it. And she said, when she picked up her Bible and began to read it again, God's implanted word is able to save your souls. She's doing great today. No meds, no psychologists. She's gotten past that. And so can you. But you're going to have to be willing to say, you know what? I'm going to take God's word and put it on the inside of me. So, Alan, how, how does that work? Listen, I don't know how vitamins work, but I take them. I don't necessarily know how if I eat a meal, it, it is all, I mean, I'm not a biologist. I can't tell you how it hits my body and causes nutrients to go to my body. I just eat the food. <laughs> Same way with God's word. No sense in trying to figure out how is this going to save my soul. Just take it and begin to take God's thoughts and God's words and put them in your heart and it can deliver you. And you can get strong. You can get mentally strong. You can get emotionally strong. You don't have to live tormented because what you're going to find is God's word gives light and it brings light to darkness. And where the darkness has tried to shut you out, the light of God can overcome it because light's stronger than darkness. And so you just begin to put it in and just begin to read it. Just begin to read it. You say, well, I've been reading it for three weeks and nothing's changed. Stay with it. Stay with it. If some doctor puts you on a regimen, you would stick with it. So Dr. Allen just stuck you on a regimen. <laughs> and I won't even charge you. And there's no side effects. And you won't wind up with, you with a, you know, growing another eye. This is going to help you. It's good stuff. Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Living strong and blessed, James continues. James, he, but he said, but be doers of the word, James 1.22. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Living strong and blessed means hearing and doing. Hearing is the first part, but not the last part. So Jesus said, don't just hear the word, but we need to hear it with the, with the idea of doing it. He said, don't deceive yourselves. Here's the deception. The deception is, if I just hear it, that's enough. The deception is, if I hear it, it's going to change me. Don't ask, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how do you know people who've been in church for years and years and years and they're still just as mean and nasty and unkind as they were before? And you're like, I don't understand because they go to church and they go to a good church. They may go to this church and they're still not getting help. Listen, hearing the word is the first step. That's where we have to go. But then we not only have to hear it, we have to put it into practice. And James said, it's what you begin to do. Now, I'm talking to Wednesday nighters. I'm talking to the SWAT team. I'm talking to people who could be somewhere else on a Wednesday night, but you're here. And the people who are watching online, the beautiful people. Right? Right. 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 Okay. So, but here, here, here's the thing. It's not just hearing. It's hearing with putting it into practice. Hearing it and doing. Now, this lines also, this lines up with what Jesus said. Remember, we've been reading in Matthew because everyone at the Ark Church reads a chapter a day in, in, in their Bible 365. Thank you for three amens. Uh, that was, I've encouraged. Matthew, seventh chapter. This is Jesus talking. What Jesus is doing right here is summing up 
the Sermon on the Mount. One of his most famous sermons was what they call the Sermon on the Mount. He went to the mountain. That's where we get the Beatitudes. And we, but we get a lot of other stuff. Jesus, just as I was looking through just the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus covers some territory in this. He covers who's blessed. Believers are salt and light. He covers murder begins in the heart. So he talks about what's in the heart. Murder's in the heart. Adultery's in the heart. So he talks about making sure that our hearts are clear. He talks about marriage. He talks about going the second mile, living on a higher level, loving your enemies. A lot of good stuff. Doing good to please God, not doing good for other people. If you read just five, six, and seven, it's enough to keep you busy for the rest of your life. And then Jesus, when he, he sums it up, he sums it up here. And he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rains ascended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. When I was a kid, I, I appreciate the fact that my parents raised me in church. And I, I just, reading that again, I remember a song. The, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock. Anybody remember that? It's a church thing. But it, it was, <laughs> it's the wise man built, and the rains came tumbling down, and the rains came down. And the floods came up. Yeah, yeah. See, this is, this is memory time today. And the rains came down and the floods came up. But, but the house stood firm. The idea is, behind this is, and, and Jesus is, is backing this up. He's saying, listen, we hear God's word, but then we take it and we begin to put it into practice in our lives. And so, again, you're just beginning to act on it. When you find out something about forgiveness, that means you begin to practice that. Because when the storms came, there's no indication that a different storm hit the two houses. One man who built his house on a rock, Luke said that he dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. The other man built his house on the sand. When the storm hit, the floods came, one man's house stood. One man's fell. Now here's, here's where People will say things like, well, God sent the storm, sent the storm. Jesus never said God sends the storm. The storms in life come to everybody. Everybody deals with storms. Don't ever think that, well, everybody else has, so much, has, has it so much easier than I do. You don't know what they're dealing with. You don't realize the storms that could be in their life. Storms of life come to everyone. You say, well, I've never had a storm. Well, you, how long have you been alive? <laughs> because storms come. Now we hear things, people say like, well, that which doesn't kill me makes me stronger. That's great for weightlifting, but not necessarily for storms. Because storms, this said one man's house fell. Didn't say it made him stronger. Listen, storms in life come because we live in a fallen world. There's sin in the world. And we have an enemy named Satan and we have crazy people. Amen. There are storms out there. They come. They don't come to make you stronger. Where'd you go? They don't, listen, storms hit some families and, and the families disintegrate. Storms hit other families and the families stand strong. It wasn't God said, well, I just love this family and this family I'm just not so crazy about. 
Or I'm going to send a storm on this family and not send a storm. Listen, storms in life will come, but we don't have to crumble. We don't have to fall. James said, if we're not just a hearer of the word, if we become a doer, then we're blessed in what we do. Jesus said, if you come to him, you hear his words and we do it, then we build a strong foundation. And so when the storms come, we've got something to stand with. Amen. And so, and that's, that, that's a difference. You know, Joy and I talk about how bad our marriage was early on, or at least I talk about how bad it was. Joy doesn't even want to talk about it. But it was, it, it, was, it was really bad early on, and we had to learn to begin to put God's Word into practice. So we had to learn how to put walking in love into practice. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, some great verses on love is patient, love is kind, love is not arrogant, doesn't brag, it's not rude, unmannerly, doesn't act unbecomingly. We begin to put that into practice. It wasn't that God looked down and went, oh, bless their hearts. <laughs> Alan and Joy, bless her heart. She is living with him. He is so nasty. I just, I'm just going to sprinkle some God dust and make their, and we woke up one day and we're like, oh. <laughs> and the marriage was perfect. Doesn't work that way. It's because we begin to put his word into practice. It's because we begin to learn to walk in love with one another. It's because I learned to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I had, I had a mean mouth. And mean mouths make bad homes. And I had to change my mouth. So I had to do what actually James talks about next. But I had to change that. What am I doing? We're taking God's word, we're putting it into practice. Joy had 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 in the Amplified Bible up all over the house. I would open the bath, bathroom cabinet and there's 1 Corinthians. I would look in, under the sink and there's 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Everywhere I turned in my house, there's 1 Corinthians. I said, why have you got that verse all over the house? She looked at me, she said, because I need that to work with you, to live with you. I have to have that, a constant reminder. And my wife had to learn to walk in love. You go, well, Joy, she's perfect. Not with me, she wasn't. And so it was a change. But that change enabled us to build a strong marriage. It wasn't that God just said, well, they're pastors. Bless them. They're trying so hard. It wasn't that. It wasn't. We just simply took what he said and began to do it. Are we perfect? No. Has it gotten way better? Yes. To the point where we used to fight twice a day and thought that was a good day. Two arguments a day was good. Now one a month is unusual. Say so that's impossible. But God, all things are possible. It's possible. It's possible. But listen to me. It wasn't just we prayed for our marriage. It's because we began to take his word and do it and practice it. Did it feel good? Anytime you practice something, it's, it's, a little, it's a little uncomfortable. How many golfers do I have here? You like to golf? Yeah, I figured I'd get an amen. You can raise your hand. This is okay. We're not, we're not going to. How many people like to golf? You're golfers. You're the golfers. Okay, golfers, I'm going to talk to you for a second. How many, when you just picked up a club, you were just such a natural, you're a scratch golfer within the first few weeks? Anybody? Because if you, you are, great, congratulations. <laughs> no one's a scratch golfer within the first few. How many know you, it's awkward learning how to swim a, uh, swing a golf club? 
and some are some people have more natural skills at it than not but you, you got to get you got to practice it but if you practice it you get better anybody know john fernandez here in our church john everybody knows john smiling john john's happy guy all the time if you don't like singing in the morning stay away from john <laughs> john and i started playing golf at the same time it was about 24 years ago and we, we were playing golf and and John and I were pretty evenly matched, and I decided I, I didn't want to play the game. John kept playing, and kept playing, and kept playing. John's now almost a scratch golfer. He's, he didn't start off that way. But practice means you get better. How many of you enjoy kissing? First time you did it, were you good at it? No, you weren't. You are were like... <laughs> you didn't know what to do with your tongue you were just nasty you did not know but you didn't quit you're like I'm, I'm, I know I, this is good I'm going to stay with this I'm going to learn this I'm going to get this figured out so many things in life are that way so is God's word we take it, we begin to put it into practice. And the more you begin to practice, the better it gets. Perfect, not yet, but we're going, we're trying. At least we got something to shoot for. Here's the next one. Remember, we're about done with James. James 1.26. Put a muzzle on it. If anyone among you thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue... <laughs> This is Alan's verse. But deceives, <laughs> but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. I, I want to catch on the, on the bridling your tongue. The bridling your tongue, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do because we're not going to do the whole book of James. I'm going to jump to the third chapter of James. Because James actually has a lot to say about the tongue. Let's look at James 3, 8 through 12. James is talking. He's very blunt with this. But this is what he said. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. <laughs> with it we bless our God and Father and with it we curse men who've been made in the similitude or likeness of God out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings my brethren these things ought not to be so so James now a lot of times people have got caught up in that well no man can bridle the tongue no man can tame your tongue I can't tame your tongue but you can tame your own tongue you, you, you catch that don't, don't think well you know, I just, that's just me. That's just how I am. But, you know, if it comes in my mind, it's going to come out my mouth. That's not going to help you. The, Bible, the bridle means to put a restraint on it. It, it, means, to, it means to limit it, it, to direct it. And so when he's talking about the tongue, he's just saying simply, hey, listen, what needs to come out of us needs to be consistent. So in other words, he, he talks, did I have more with that? Did I have more with that? Does, here we go. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. So what, what James is saying is what's in us is what needs to come out of us. If we've been changed people, our, our mouths need to change. Our words need to change. The words that come out of our mouth needs to change. Um, I... I in our Christian life, there's a lot more that has to do with our words than we've given credence to. Because 
Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth will speak. And, and then in Ephesians, Paul wrote, he said, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer. So what we find is, as a believer, one of the biggest identifiers as a believer is not that you have a, a bumper sticker or that you carry a Bible. It's what comes out of our mouths. And so the idea he's saying is, you know, and, and I, I've heard people say this, I just love God. Oh, I love God. It's love God. I don't like people, but I love God. It's, how many of you know that if we love God, we have to love his children? I've used this analogy before, but if after service I have, I have some little kids. I've got one little girl who comes. She's a little redhead thing, accusing me. She comes up and gives me a hug. And she's, she's precious. And she just comes and wants to give me a hug. Her grandparents bring her in here. She gives me a hug. You know, if, if, if I was smiling at the grandparents talking to them, that little girl came and gave me a hug. And I'm like, get away, get away. <laughs> If you're a good parent or a grandparent, do you look at that, isn't that cute how pastor just kicked my child out of the way? <laughs> you're thinking, I, I could lay hands on him right now in Jesus' name. It's not, it's not gonna be pretty. But the, the idea is, obviously, if, if, if you love me, treat my kids right, right? And if we love God, we need to treat his people right. This is why really in in our church, and even among the body of Christ. I hate this, guys. We've got way too much strife in the body of Christ. Way too much picking and, and, and criticizing and stuff. Listen, we've, we've got a world that's opposed to us. We need to stop fighting one another and be a blessing to one another so that when you come in, it's, it's a safe zone. It should be a safe place. Our words should be good. James said, if you're going to be religious... Bridle your tongue. Make sure your words are good words. Then here's the last one, last verse. James 1.27. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. So James was saying, help those who have need, widows and orphans were the most vulnerable in that day. I think we, we could say easily today that widows, uh, single moms, orphans, the, the kids in foster care are some of our most vulnerable. We try to do some, we try to do as a church, we try to do what we can to help, uh, especially help kids that have need and, and single moms and, and I'm telling you some single moms and single grandmoms who are raising kids. I think some of the hardest job in America if you're, if you're a single grandmother raising a kid. And so we have to recognize that there's people in our midst that we need to love on and we need to help. And so James is saying, this, this is pure undefiled religion. And then he goes back to, he keeps talking. You'll notice James talks about clean. He said, keep oneself unspotted from the world. The world we live in can stain us. It, it just, it's, and I don't, know, I don't know about you, I don't like stains. I don't like stains on my, on my clothes. I get, you know, I don't like to walk around with 
And you probably wouldn't feel good. I mean, if I came in here and I had splotches all over my shirt and my pants were all messed up, you're like, wow, what happened to him? <laughs> Did he not look in the mirror before he, like he, he showed up? How many of you are funny about your car? You, you don't want somebody getting in your car and eating a big water burger and dropping mustard and ketchup all over your clean seats. Anybody, anybody keep your car clean? Do you like to keep your car clean? You know, how many of you, how many of you, I won't ask her how many clean freaks there are, but how many of you, you, you want your house clean? You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm big on around here is, I want the bathrooms clean. Yes. If I go to a place and the bathrooms are nasty, that is not a good sign. Thank you, Bucky's. I like to thank the people who made Bucky's. I just want to thank you. Because if you've ever been up I 59 or something and stopped in some of those little places, oh, thank you, Bucky's. I just want to. Well, thank you. There's something about us that likes clean. We get that from our Heavenly Father. He's clean, He's pure. And we have to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Well, does that mean I just cut myself off from everyone? Does that mean that I can't have any friends who are unbelievers? No, that's not what it's saying at all. What it's just saying is we need to be the influencers, not the ones who are influenced by them. We, we, need, to, we need to be the ones that, that live a life that, that motivates them and live a life that can be different. And live a life. You, know, you say, well, I guess you're just trying to be goody two-shoes. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. That we need to live in such a way that it's, it's unspotted from the world. They got a lot of stuff out there now. And there's, there's a lot of junk that's just not good. And we need to understand it and recognize it and not input it. If you don't feed it, you won't need it. I'll say that again. If you don't feed it, you won't need it. Anything you want to shut down, Stop feeding it in your life. Paul, Peter wrote this. He said, therefore, beloved, in 2 Peter 3, 14, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. The Bible's real clear and it talks to us about our conduct and living in such a way that we're without spot and blameless. None of us are perfect in this, but it's a good goal to shoot for. And I'll tell you something good. There's just something better about living clean. There's something better about having your clean clothes. There's something better about having a clean house. I like a clean car. I love clean bathrooms. There's just something about clean that's good. And I think cleanly, I, no, no, someone said, well, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not actually a scripture. <laughs> but it is a good principle. Yes. That living clean on the inside is one of the best ways to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the life that you have in your word, that it, it helps us, it strengthens us. For those who are dealing, Father, with mental challenges and emotional pain, thank you that your word can heal and restore their soul. We, Father, we thank you. We can learn to be practicers and doers of your word. Whatever we know, we can practice. And Lord, thank you that our mouths and our words and our life can be without spot before you that we look clean to you because we love you and we want to live right before you we thank you for that said your bowed and eyes are closed if you're here and you say you know what alan i don't 
I don't have a relationship with the Lord. I've never asked the Lord to be the, the Lord of my life or I did that at one time and I've gotten away from him. We're going to pray. Um, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. No one's looking around, but I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you, and, you, it, it, and I realize it takes some courage and humility and you're saying, I want you to pray for me. I'm not, I'm not where I should be with the Lord. Or I, I, I don't even know if I'm saved or not. I need to know in my heart that I'm sure. Would you pray for me? Would you just slip your hand up real quickly? His head's are bowed. Thank you. Thanks. 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 Great. Thank you. Appreciate that. You put your hands down. We're going to pray. If you didn't lift your hand, you want to. Obviously, if you're on television, they can't see you. Um, but we're going to pray this prayer. You can pray it. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. You're not alone. Pray it out loud. If you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're in here, pray it with us out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But it's good for you to hear your own voice say this. Say, Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Heads are still bowed, eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those hands that went up, those who prayed, those who are online, those who prayed there. Father, thank you for restoration. Thank you for new life. Thank you for coming out of spiritual darkness into the light and all the good things that you have. Lord, we give you all the praise for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message has blessed you. Don't forget to check us out on all the social platforms. We're uploading encouraging content on a regular basis. For more information, go to thearcchurch.com. Have a great week.